It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shakiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. Alrighty, football fans, welcome into yet another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show, official podcast of Chicago Fire FC. I am your host, Tyler Terrence, joined by none other than the non-existent chairman of the board that is non-existent, um, but he is existing in this world that we're living in, Evan McConnell. Um, Leafs Cup edition, obviously. We covered briefly the Minnesota United game, the comeback that was, that set up the draw for the fire against Puebla, which was good enough for them to win Central Group number two, as they will now take on Club America on Friday night from SeatGeek Stadium. Um, I was on the call for the fire and Puebla last second assignment, quite literally. Um, we got the call on Friday night before our Orlando City and Santos Laguna game, which was a cracker of a game, by the way, um, which sets up the Florida Derby between Messi and and Orlando City, which is going to be tonight as we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, I am currently still in South Florida as this is effectively becoming my home. And I'm simply asking the question to myself, how many days do I need to spend in Florida before I don't have to pay state taxes anymore? I'm going to ask the IRS, but until I find out the answer to that question, I know it's six months in a day. Okay, guys, I get it. Um, we're going to talk about the fire in Puebla. We're going to talk about this matchup with Club America. We're going to talk about what else has been going on in League's Cup, how we feel about League's Cup. I'm going to bring in Emmett in just a little bit once we're done talking about the Puebla game um, that took place in Bridgeview. Um, but without any further ado, so obviously the scenario coming into the game was mildly complicated from a, from a Puebla standpoint or from a Minnesota United and seeding standpoint, but it was really straightforward for the fire. Any sort of result, and you found yourself into the round of 32 as the number one seed. Um, whether it was a win, whether it was a draw, whether it was a win or a lose in a penalty kick shootout, it didn't matter any sort of point and you're atop the group. So with that in mind, and given the fact that Puebla, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They stink. They are really, really mediocre. Um, and I think a lot of you saw that on Monday night. What day is it? Yeah, Monday night. Um, there was some rotation in the starting 11, Alonzo Aceves gets the start. Rafael Shijos gets the night off. Um, night off. He ended up playing three minutes at the end of regulation and then ends up missing both penalties. Um, would not would, The odds that you could have gotten on Rafael Shijos missing both penalties in a shootout, astronomical. But anyway, I digress. So there were some changes. Um, Kutsias gets the start up top. Guti comes off the bench. Um, we did not see Kai Kamara at all. And we see Usman Dumia make his debut in a starting role. So there were definitely some interesting storylines coming into the game. But from what I gathered, I think Frankie and the coaching staff sort of understood that both from a load management standpoint and from a competitive standpoint, they had gotten their more difficult game out of the way. And this was the game to rotate, right? Because the last game that they had played leading up to the Minnesota United game, they had almost five or six days off. and then. And then obviously just several days in between the Puebla and the Minnesota United game. So I wasn't surprised by that. Um, I knew that Puebla was going to put up, or I thought Puebla was going to put up more of a fight than they actually ended up doing. 
But lo and behold, uh, they are in shambles. And Eduardo Arce, by the way, that coach of Puebla is 34 years old. Put that into context, I'm 30. The 34-year-old in charge of a Liga MX side. That's, it, it's, it's a lot. I likened him to sort of like the Nick Cushing of Mexico, just because he got a head coaching job of a, of a pretty historic club at, at such a young age. And he doesn't have a ton of experience. Now, I'm not saying that a young coach can't be successful. That's not what I'm saying. Because I got some opportunities in the broadcasting industry that I sure as heck shouldn't have gotten given my age. And you get thrown into the fire and you just sort of figure it out. And I'm still trying to figure it out. But you can tell that this Puebla group came in with a game plan. They ended up moving into like kind of a quasi three back in the middle of the game with Dubois stepping up. And it was just all over the map from a tactical standpoint. And I saw the same thing against Minnesota United as well, as did Devin Kerr, my broadcast partner. And we looked at each other when we were like prepping for this game a few hours before and like just going over what Puebla looked like. And we were like, this is a mess. And there's a reason why they've been struggling in the way that they have. And they've, you know, and the loss against Minnesota United and everything, like I was expecting a much greater response from an emotional standpoint and from a pure focus and competitive standpoint. Like forget the tactics and forget all that other nonsense. I I just thought that after what happened, and that was one of the worst losses in club history, to lose 4 nothing and to be up a man for almost an hour against an MLS side. And again, this is I'm I'm looking through the lens of a of a of a Puebla fan and a Liga MX fan looking at MLS with a bit of disdain, although that narrative is starting to be dispelled more and more as we could, as we progress. I just expected a lot more. And not for nothing, I thought that there were a lot of moments where the fire could have been better as well. But I think that this was a playing down to your competition type of moment for Chicago. I thought that Usman Dumbia you can see why the fire like him so much. You can see why he is going to add a level of balance to the midfield that I don't think fire fans have seen for quite some time. Prior to the Raphael Wiki era, which means you might have to go back as early as 2019, as early as 2019. And even before that, And I mentioned it on the broadcast. And again, Usman Dumbia is a a combination. He is a box-to-box midfielder who can put in challenges and break lines, and he's he's technical. He is a combination of Fede and Gaston Jimenez. He's not one. He's not the other. And when Fede was brought in, there was no bite in the middle of the field. And the fire just had moments where they just got run off the park because – God bless Alvaro Madron and Gaston Jimenez, but they are just not like bone-crunching, earth-shattering defensive midfielders who are going to do that on a consistent basis. It's just not them. And we didn't even really know what position Alvaro Madron was, was, was suited for. He probably was better suited for like a single pivot with a dual 8-10, sort of how like the U.S. men's national team play under Greg Berhalter and operating in that role. And we saw him either as a double pivot, sitting too far deep, or as a 10, which is just not his role. And we saw that like once or twice, and then it was clear that like that's not where he's supposed to be. This is all to say that when the Fire have their best starting 11 out and Doobie is going to be a part of that, God help me, if Fabian Herbers or Kai Kamara, whoever can continue to score goals, 
this group could potentially get into the first round of the postseason and avoid the play-in game. I'm telling you, I, the, the Puebla game, it, it was so bizarre. And it was bizarre to be on the call as well because, I, I mean, I had people texting me being like, why is this going to a penalty shootout if everybody knows where they're already going to be playing? The matchup was already set with Club America and Columbus was going to be playing Minnesota United and Puebla was out. It didn't mean anything. Nothing. And I couldn't, I couldn't offer an explanation to people other than the fact that like, I don't know, you, you, you play out the game, you play to win the game, that old, that old quote. So like, it was just a strange, it was a strange game. The Shakiri equalizer. I mean, the goal from Brian Angulo, holy mackerel. I mean, he has a wicked left foot. It's fun to watch him strike the ball, but there were some good things. There were some not so great things. I thought moments on the counterattack, like you can still see the Kutsias. He's a young man. Like he's still, he's still a baby. He, he still has some things to clean up in the final third, but like, Oh, by the way, Evan, I'm going to bring you in here because I need, I don't know if you saw it. The goal that was waved off. Twitter was losing. All right. Evan didn't see it. Twitter was losing its mind. And by Twitter, I mean like a few different people who tagged me in some posts. And some of the refereeing in this tournament has been shocking. Shocking. Shaq was not offside. I, he just wasn't. I don't, I don't get it. And what a ball in, what a header from Guti. Um, so there's that. We don't have to go into that because it really didn't end up mattering at the end of the day. Although you would love to just see Guti continue to score and get on the score sheet. But nevertheless, now you're going up against a Club America side who, I mean, got put to the sword by a Lucas Zellerayanlis. Yes, that is a word. Columbus crew. Probably the biggest news of the transfer window outside of Messi thus far. And by Messi, I mean everything that's happening with Inter-Miami. Lucas Hellerayan going to Saudi Arabia. So that means that the Fire going to host Club America, one of the most storied clubs in Liga MX, and that atmosphere at SeatGeek is going to be rocking, for sure. And it's probably going to be a very heavy Club America crowd. And that is not a challenge. That is not a call for action. That is simply what I think and almost know is going to happen based on the demographics of, of the city of Chicago. If you would like to take that as a personal challenge and you're listening to this podcast and you want to rally the troops and call the banners Game of Thrones style, by all means, see if you can see if you can turn that sea of yellow into a sea of red. But I'm just telling you that like Club America are kind of, the, they're like the Yankees of, of Mexico to a certain extent, along with Tigres. And there's just going to be a lot of them there. That's just, that's just how it is. So, this Club America side got lit up by Columbus. No two ways about it. Cucho twice, Christian Ramirez, and then Steven Moreira in the 93rd minute. Now, they did rotate a little bit, a little bit, a lot, Club America. Because they already knew that they were through. The game against Columbus was simply for seeding purposes. No Jonathan Dos Santos in the starting 11, no Brian Rodriguez, no Henry Martin, no Lada, no Luis Fuentes. 
For those of you who don't know, most of those names are typical starters, particularly Dos Santos, particularly Brian Rodriguez, particularly Henry Martin. So now you're going to get a full throw to Club America side. This is what League's Cup is all about, baby. This is like for the city of Chicago to have this game um, in, a, in a knockout situation, and not just for the city of Chicago, but for the fire to be in this type of atmosphere. This is what League's Cup was designed for. A city with a rich and robust Mexican population taking on one of the best Mexican sides and one of the biggest Mexican sides that spend the most amount of money. Yes, please sign me up. But it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a challenge. So with all that in mind, I mean, you think about keeping an eye on the likes of Alejandro Zendejas, who, of course, is part of the U.S. men's national team. Araujo and Reyes, the two center backs, are very, very good. And then you have to imagine that Dos Santos, Rodriguez, and Henry Martin are all going to start. Because they were coming off of a similar stretch in terms of like calendar makeup as, as Chicago. And again, they didn't need to do anything in that game other than just play. They didn't even have to play. They could have forfeited and still gotten through. St. Louis has already bounced. Safe to say that they didn't care where they ended up because they knew they were going to go on the road regardless. They were either going to be in Minnesota or they were going to be in Chicago. I wouldn't care. And that's, and that's the part of League's Cup that I think maybe perhaps can be improved heading into next year. And Emmett, I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, we would love to have situations that, like, it matters the result no matter what on the final day. And you don't want to have to have a team like Club America rotating that many pieces and sort of throwing in the towel a little bit. You don't want to have a situation with the fire where the penalty shootout doesn't mean anything. I don't know. That, that to me, has been one of the only issues of the tournament thus far outside of some of the refereeing. But the refereeing crews are mixed bags from all over North America and the Caribbean. So, like, I'm not terribly surprised that some things have fallen through the cracks. But to me, that that competitive stand that competitive part of it on the final day because the final day can be so much fun in 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 world cup style tournaments and and they were like orlando city and and santos laguna that came down to the one of the final kicks of the game and if it had gone to a penalty kick shootout that would have decided who was going to get through and houston was still waiting to figure out who was going to get through in that group to then take on Lionel messi and inter miami but that's the skinny on what's going on with the fire Blue America, Friday night, SeatGeek Stadium. I mean, good good luck getting the ticket. And that place is going to be rocking. But Emma McConnell, uh, thoughts on just the tournament thus far? I mean, like, have you how much have you been paying attention? Are you strictly Philadelphia Union out here? You're doing your normal uh union thing. You can flex whenever you want, but you know, just, just there you go. Just just let me know how it's going. It's always good in the audio format when you do something visually. Uh I'm with, I was not a fan of the three team group format coming into it. I was very much like, this won't work. This is stupid. Mostly it was the world cup, right? The world cup. I was like, this is not going to work. All it takes is one team to win both games and other teams to draw. And suddenly you're winning. Someone goes on by a coin toss. Right. But the one good thing that I've noticed about it, that is very fun is that 
one, you're kind of in control of your destiny in that, you know, when and you're through, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the, sure, the situation where A beats B, B beats C, C beats A. But if you win one game, you're feeling pretty good about your chances to go through. And the other being that because it's head-to-head, like, that's the best tiebreaker, in my opinion. Who should go through, A or B? Well, who won in that game? That's, yeah, agreed. But, um, other than that, like, the fact that there's no real last day, right? Like, there's, a, and there's an ability to be to, for Club America to play Columbus and to say, who really gives a damn who wins this game? Games that don't mean anything. Sure, it happens in a four-team format. You know, when, uh, what was it, Panama? Not, not Panama, but in the Women's World Cup, we just got a team, two teams eliminated playing each other in Spain and, uh, and Japan's group. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, was it Costa Rica, Zambia? There it is. But here's, here's an idea. And it's going to happen. I, yeah, agreed. Here's an idea, though. Like, maybe it's an alternating years type thing where, like, next year almost all the games are played in Mexico and it's the MLS teams who are sort of like behind the eight ball from like a travel standpoint. But, but if you end up being the number one seed coming out of your group and you are, and you're the favorite and you're the higher seed or whatever, you got the most amount of points and you are technically supposed to be the home side in the knockout round, then that's incentive to play. So like, for instance, in what happened in central group number one with Club America and, and Columbus, if Club America had won that game, then they can go down to Mexico and play in a knockout game at home against Chicago. Or, you know what I mean? Like, if it's set up that way, then you can, then at least there's some incentive. But yeah, if you're going to have three groups, then, I mean, the best way to do it is just to have four groups and to play three games in the in the, in the group stage. But that's makes it more difficult and there's more games and whatever, but like there's, this is, I mean, this is the first iteration of this. I, it's only going to get better. Um, and it's the same thing with, with Apple TV, right? Like this is the first year of, of two huge new things when it comes to broadcast being on the streaming platform, like Apple TV and, and leaks cup. So nevertheless, um, here are the matchups in the round of 32 LAFC and Juarez Leon and RSL. That'll be a good game. Tigres and Vancouver, Monterey and Portland, Columbus and Minnesota, Toluca and Sporting, Chicago, America, Cincinnati and Nashville, <laughs> um, Philly and DC. Love that. That game's going to be in Chester. Hudson River Derby between Red Bulls and NYCFC. That game is in Harrison at Red Bull Arena. Pumas and Carretero, Atlas in New England. Uh, there's some stuff going on in New England. Um, Bruce Arena is on administrative leave right now after an investigation is underway for some inappropriate comments. Mazatlan and FC Dallas, Inter Miami and Orlando, that's the big one. Charlotte and Cruz Azul from, it looks like that game's at Frisco is what I'm seeing online. Um, I'm actually going to have the call for that game on Fox Sports 1 on Thursday night. And then Pachuca and Houston Dynamo. That'll be a very good game. And that game's in Houston. So, which, uh, let's remove Messi from the equation and the Philadelphia Union, Emmett. What are you looking forward to the most here? Oh, I mean, I think right off the top of the head, it's uh, Hudson River Derby. I think it's always a fun one, but... They both kind of stink this year, though. Yeah, I get it. They kind of stink. 
but it's it's gonna be like a fun game like i don't know like the, it will the, be the red bulls are always the same i think like it doesn't matter if the red bulls are first in the league or they're like outside the playoff space they're always the same team they're, they're always playing energy drink soccer they're gonna kick you in the head they're gonna kick the ball long and like it kind of comes down to if they have bradley wright phillips and sasha clushton or not in my mind like that <laughs> That hasn't been the case for years. <laughs> yeah, they have Tom Barlow and like Omir Fernandez. Like, yeah, they're they're not going to be top of the table, but they're going to play the same way, and I think it'll be kind of just as interesting as a game. Um, kind of going through. So, I mean, Cincinnati's class of the league, so you're gonna have to want to watch them. Uh, and lastly, my dark horse pick to make a run, based only off of what happened in 2020, was the Portland Timbers. I think that they're the kind of team that thrives in a playoff situation. They show it most years they make the playoffs. They showed it in MLS's back. And I think Gio Savarese has a feel of how these things go. Okay, I, but let play me, Monterey. Let, well, let me challenge you on the fact that they have to get through Monterey and most likely Tigres just to get to a quarterfinal. So and how amazing would that would, be? Would you, like to, would you like to rescind your statement that Portland is still your dark horse? I mean, I think the fact that they got out of a group with um, San Jose was pretty impressive because Portland has not been good this year, and San no, Jose has been decent. But like you said, they're set up and built to be – they are the Orlando of the West, like Orlando also being a team that's set up for knockout-style tournaments. Now Orlando is taking on an Inter-Miami and Messi group that is just flying right now with all sorts of momentum, but – I, I hear I hear what you're saying. I, I definitely do. Um, and that Cincinnati and Nashville game on August 4th, which is on Thursday, that's a rematch of a game literally from two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where Fafa Pico got sent off. Um, and I forget who else got sent off. Nashville finished the game with nine men. And it was a hostile environment at TQL. But nevertheless, there are some very good matchups here. And then I'm interested to see how LAFC... Taylor Washington was the other one sent off. Taylor Washington was the other one. By the way, they had six red cards in the last six games, Nashville. Gary Smith's got a bit of a discipline issue. Problem? I think I think is safe to say. And I should know who was, uh, who was sent off. I was at that game as a fan. Um, but I'm interested to see how LAFC and Pachuca are going to perform. To come into a tournament cold like this and to get a bye automatically into the knockout round... I don't know. I don't love that. I really don't. I'm not going to liken it to March Madness where like if you play in the first four and like you win a game and then you come into the, you know, round of 64 flying high and you already got one W under your belt. If you're like an 11 seed, if you're a 16 seed, I don't care. But I, I would say this is even worse. I mean, when's the last competitive game that LAFC played? It's, it's been weeks. And I'm going to tell you that the answer to that question, it's July 15th. It's literally been over two weeks since they played a competitive game. I don't know about you, Emmett, but if I'm a professional footballer, I don't want that long off jumping into a knock and jumping into a single elimination style tournament. You wouldn't bet against LAFC though. Anyway, would you? I would. I'm betting against both LAFC and Pachuca. I think they both lose. How do you feel about that? I don't feel like I would bet against LAFC. I know that they're, they haven't been in a great place since losing the CONCACAF Champions League, and I've gotten a little bit of schadenfreude from that, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, we want MLS to do well, but <laughs> they kind of hurt me twice in the last year. Um, but I, I guess the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. Because how many times have we seen in MLS Cup playoffs the same exact thing happen? 
happened in like three back-to-back years where you had like and it's a- against competition and it's against competition you're not familiar with and that's on both sides of the coin Juarez is not a stupendous team but like they can get the job done and and Houston can play like Houston's a decent team as the fire saw so I think both of them are out I think I think Pachuca lose in regulation to Houston and I think Juarez win in penalties getting it oddly specific if I hadn't just completed my um gambling training for major league soccer I would probably parlay those two and and see and see what kind of odds I can get but I don't I can't do that how did the training go it was great I learned a lot by the way did you do the league's cup uh bracket 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 I'm not the talker here. You are. <laughs> Did you do that? I know I saw a lot of uh, um, Apple TV hosts uh, putting out these uh, League's Cup bracket predictors. And the yeah. only thing I take from that was there is no way that I'm going to get anywhere close to all the group stage predictions and then the knockout bracket prediction correct. I you think know, I got like none of them right. I don't even remember what I picked. As a commentator for the tournament, I, I wanted to remain neutral and not have a rooting interest in the tournament. Because God forbid I won that $10,000. I'd have to probably give it back. And I, it's like insider trading. I couldn't do it. I had too much information. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. I'd have zero information about anything. But you know, let's be fair. You have information, but it doesn't mean you're going to be right. No, well, I'll most likely be wrong. If I'm like, if you're betting off of information that you have, it's pro- you're probably going to like it's. You're knowledgeable. Better. You're as knowledgeable as any knowledgeable fan. <laughs> I... <laughs> Smart. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that was a backhanded compliment, but I think that that was this more than anything. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, no, I was trying to support you. You were like, I don't know anything. And I was like, of course you do. You, you, you. What know better, it. what better way to sell yourself? What better way to sell yourself on the podcast? I don't know anything. No, but then you said, you know as much as a knowledgeable fan, which, like, is it? <laughs> well, I'm trying to say, like, you know a ton, right? You get, you do get inside information from the league, but I wasn't trying to make it be like, you know who's going to win the game. Right? I do know who's going to Well, the world is rigged, and I know who's going to win the game. Oh, well, there we go. This is why I'm just the producer. You can't tell me after Messi scores from a free kick in his debut in major leagues in North America, that the world is not rigged. And that like Don Garber set that up. You can't tell you can't convince me otherwise. I mean, so, I, have, I have evidence that Don Garber sets up a lot of things and that was one of them, but I don't think he puts his hands in all the pots. I don't think he was setting up. No, you think he let you think he lets the winner of leagues cup be decided by fate. No. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, he, he doesn't decide the minutia of it. He's not going to decide who won the game between, I don't know. I'm trying to pick like, a random opponents that people don't tend to care about, like Mazatlan and F- Mazatlan and FC Dallas. Perfect. I was going to go with Houston, but we were on the same te- on the same page with Texas. I don't think he cares about that. No, you're right. So, just as far as the bracket is concerned, if Don Garber was rigging this tournament, I think his ideal final would be Inter Miami and Tigres. I don't know enough about Liga Emekis to dispute that, but I do think he probably wants a Liga Emekis team in the final. He does. Yeah. He does. That's what the viewership it's, it's is, right? Good, it's for the good of the tournament. It's for the good of the tournament. Maybe Club America, given that yeah. I said that they're the Yankees. 
Tigres and yeah, Tigres, Monterrey, and and Club America are all well. It can't be. Can it be? It couldn't be. It couldn't be, could it? Um, yes, it can be. Could be Club America and Inter Miami. There it is. There you have it. And, Mont- and Monterey's on that side of the bracket too. All three Mexican giants are on the opposite side of Lionel Messi. So, ipso facto, this is uh, this is what I'm talking about. We are but, in a simulation run by Don Garber. But Don Garber cannot predict those rough and tumble up starts that always seem to mess things up like Chicago and Philadelphia. Agreed. Those are always the ones that he hasn't yeah, planned yeah, for. Yeah, Philadelphia are real rough and tumble dark horse. Good for you. Yeah. I threw Chicago in there too. <laughs> Chicago's a, a legitimate argument here as far as rough and tumble is concerned, considering they haven't made the playoffs in Listen, five. Since Cincinnati, I know it's not a huge market, but that's a league favorite. That's that's Don Garber's little baby boy that he swaddles up and he carries around with him when he goes out to the park. LAFC, Atlanta, all ones you can tell. There are teams that you can tell MLS doesn't really care about. Mm. And I'm not talking about MLSsoccer.com or any of the media. I'm talking about the, the offices. And I think that you could throw Philadelphia in there. I think you could throw Orlando, Chicago in there. It's the mm. ones that don't get all the media attention. You, like even Charlotte somewhere like in the middle where it's like, well, they got a lot of fans, but. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I just want to make it abundantly clear. Nobody on this podcast actually thinks that Don Garber is rigging anything. Um, stay tuned for that, if that's true or not, if Inter-Miami and Tigres are in the final. But I just wanted to make that abundantly clear. So, folks, we're going to let you go. Enjoy the round of 32. Enjoy the game on Friday night if you are going. I am very jealous. I'm going to still be down in Florida. Um, but Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the week. Hopefully we will be covering a Chicago fire advancement into the round of 16 where they would potentially take on. It would be. God, this bracket is so difficult to keep track of. Help me out here on it. It looks like that Chicago winner would play the Cincinnati winner. Of Cincinnati. Oh, I was so close. Yep. You were close. I don't yeah. like how you play your group stage teammates. Uh, that seems weird. The group stage group mates in the quarterfinals i wish you could meet in the final but i digress uh yeah i see what you're saying you should be on opposite sides of the bracket but lo and behold don garber's got his finger in everything and wants to see that happen so enjoy it folks vamos fire and uh we will talk to you soon